I wrote a book about my life named Moguldom. You can get more information about this book at moguldombook.com. I talk about acquiring a knowledge of self, self-determination, and building a business over 10 years. There are some gems in this book that you don't want to miss. One way to support the Go movement in this podcast is to go to moguldombook.com, buy the book on pre-sale to support the Go movement. Let's go. You're listening to Go with Jamarlin Martin. We have a go hard or go home approach as we talk to the leading tech leaders, politicians, and influencers. Let's go. Today we have Krista McFarland on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Where did you uh, grow up and how did you get into blockchain? Those are two big jumps. (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up in New York City. I grew up in the Bronx. Um, Family of immigrants was born in, in Jamaica. Um, moved to New York City when I was about four years old. Um, was always had an affinity for science and technology and math. Um, my goal as a as a little girl was to be in medicine, was to do was to be a surgeon and help people. Um, went to a specialized science and technology high school. Um, ended up, you know, doing pre-medicine courses at Cornell um, and specializing in liberal arts. Um, decided that I wanted to learn more about entrepreneurship after dibbling in entrepreneur courses in undergrad. Um, went out to business school at Wake. Um, got involved with health IT. Um, then eventually startups um, after my post-business you know, school career. Um, and then from there, you know, the researcher in me, the researcher at heart was like, okay, we have this big problem in healthcare. It's the third largest spend in our economy in terms of G- GDP. Um, what's needed? Um, so I started out trying to, based on my past experiences working in digital healthcare startups, telemedicine, looking at the problem, which was not having empowered patients, not having that patient engagement um, in the healthcare system, it all being run really by the payers and those who are giving dishing out the reimbursements for medical care. Um, and decided that, you know, the biggest problem was also, you know, these electronic medical records that you know, came to to fame in the past 10, 15 years. Um, But they were basically banks of of health data. They didn't want to share it with anyone. Um, So the the core issue was why, as a patient, do I not have access to my health data? Why am I having to request a fax in 2014, 2015 for my healthcare data? Um, Had been following blockchain and just merged the two industries together way back when, before people weren't even thinking about, you know, bringing blockchain to different industries. You know, you got into blockchain, of course, early, but is there anything kind of that would explain why you were so early ahead of everyone else in terms of blockchain? Um, I would say a part of it is you can say luck or fate, you know, you can, you know, throw all these different words. It's like, you know, you're in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, opportunity. That's basically what it was. Um, the fact that I was exposed so early on to, you know, especially a growing and emerging industry, which is digital healthcare startups. And, you know, that didn't exist 15 years ago. You know, we really saw the rise of digital healthcare startups in 2011. So it was just all of these. You just started hearing blockchain mentioning a little bit, kind of industry press or business press or 
No, yeah. not even. So, but how do you, <laughs> it was it was just looking at looking at how deep and you know loaded the electronic medical record field was, and really going deep into you know technology, cryptography, research, research in different types of technology um, that some people don't even know about today. I think that's what had stuck. Um, with choosing that platform, looking at we're going to solve this problem of bringing together disparate systems um, and what's out there, you know, it, ledgers, and that's essentially what blockchain is. You're diving into a problem uh, in terms of digitizing medical records, and when you're investigating this with your curiosity, your original curiosity, you come across blockchain as a potential solution. Yeah. Is that the fair to say? Yeah. Okay, and you mentioned, you know, blockchain is a ledger. For my grandma in Watts, California, how would you explain blockchain? Great, great, great question. And there's different ways I always explain it to different audiences. Um, blockchain is essentially a electronic transaction method that keeps record of you know transactions as they happen. Um, and how we're using blockchain, you know, we're using it for storage mechanisms so the fact that we can now bring all these different servers together um but also track the files that are being stored there and each file is given a unique identifier you know which essentially is a person um it just brings up this entire new world of how we're managing data yeah, so there's a lot of, uh, of course, minefields with crypto, and I feel like you're very badass. You got your own coin. Like, hey, I got my <laughs> own coin. You know? But a lot of uh, ICOs that have come out, they didn't take the position that they're securities. And so the SEC has kind of caught up with some of the innovation and have declared that mm -hmm. you know, most of these ICOs are securities. Uh, and they need to be regulated under the SEC law, which complicates things, obviously. Did you come out that our token is a security, or did you come out with the consensus view at that time, we're not a security? Yeah, so we were pretty early before SEC decided to you know, put the, the hammer down. Um, we came out as a utility token. We did our token sale outside of the U.S. How much did you raise on your first one? Our token sale netted over 7 million in less than three days. So we were pretty early 2017. We decided we were gonna do a token sale. Um, the end of 2016, prepared for it, launched our pre-sale March of 2017, and then opened it up in the end of May, which lasted less than, roughly less than two, three days. Okay, got it. So you raised 7 million and it's time to build a team. You have the mm -hmm. capital. How do you go about building your team uh, at PatientTory? Well, yeah, the fact that we just had this big influx of cash at the time in a space that didn't exist, it was difficult. I can't, I, I, I'll be honest. Um, you know, it was, it was def also difficult to find healthcare people or just technologists who would grasp the concept of what we were doing. Then you got to do it in ATO. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, we brought on people. Some people stayed, some people didn't. Um, it was finding that, you know, right fit for the product while we continue to test in the, the, in the architecture and the infrastructure. Um, I think now we're pretty in a, good, in a good space where we see now it's more of, okay, 
the customers has also catched on. You know, we've done a year and a half of market education. You've seen all these conferences pop up that now focus on healthcare, and we see all these different use cases. So we bet we have a better market to start to employ a lot of you know the testing that would make uh, us successful. So your token for the audience, a token would be comparable to stock on the Nasdaq or uh, New York Stock Exchange. But your token price. Right. Everyone's crazy about crypto ICOs. There's a gold rush. Everybody's making these money. Everybody's like driving these Ferraris. Does your morale at your company go up and down with uh, the market cap and the token price? Are, it, are you yeah. seeing a correlation? It did that? in the beginning. I think now we're at a mature state where that's it's it's white noise at the moment. In the beginning, it was like we brought on people that because we had raised so much money and we had this token, like that's what they focused on, like from marketing. We like we want to see, you know, more people come into our Slack group or our Telegram group and talk about, you know, our token because it's so great. Even though on our roadmap, our platform wasn't going to be released until like the next 15 months. Um, so, you know, and you had the people in the community who were like, oh, it needs to go up more. And we're like, we can't comment on that. Like, that's not. So, we, you know, with all the, the good news, the bad news, it affected the team more because I guess it was so new and they just weren't prepared and they couldn't separate it from the actual core business that we were trying to sell. So the Securities and Exchange Commission, they dropped the hammer down on ICOs. And I imagine that there's there's so much fraud with ICOs, the bad smell of scam ICOs, you get caught up into that. And it makes things dramatically tougher. And possibly mm -hmm. you have to think about optimizing your legal structure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, can you walk us through that? Yeah, I mean, we definitely had a lot of a high burn for, for legal. Not only, you know, just looking at you know, de-risk in the business. Um, but then I think it just boils down to, again, having a community where you're constantly updating them, you're being transparent. That's the, you know, really only way to, you know, get ahead of, of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and again, it's aligning yourself. We have, we built a board of ad advisors, a board of directors um, with credibility and, you know, experience behind them. Um, so we were able to de-risk a lot of the business from that as well. How big is your team now? Um, we're still, we're pretty conservative. We're about four people. Okay, so that's, four good. Five people. that's good. We, we didn't get caught up in yeah. the, in the we're going to grow 3,000%. Yeah. No, no. And what's the path to profitability? How much kind of runway do you have until you get profitable? I would say another... 18 months another 18 months yeah and then how you know the market response you know do you have you have client paying clients now we're still pre-revenue we have pilots okay. so that's essentially we don't consider them as converted customers so we don't track it that way we just track it as how many pilots are we able to you know start to actually start using the the platform okay and is your token in terms of the sec guidance that came out do you term it a security or how did how, like what how did that finish or is it still evolving in terms of i think it's pretty much still evolving again we were before i think they ruled anything before july 2017 um you had like a grandfathered clause for that um so but you're we're still, definitely you, you still view the patientory token as a, a utility 
tokens. Yeah, because it's it's fueling our platform. Like no one owns any stock in our company. We don't. It's not something that we sell as well. It's more of it's part of that open permission blockchain network, which we don't even own or govern. Right? It's owned by the members of the blockchain. Is that a controversial view in terms of folks still claiming that? Hey, this is a utility, but the conservative view, of course, hey, this is really a security. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always going to be there. Um, you know, they say Bitcoin is a utility, and they've said Ethereum is a is a utility, and then they said it's a security. So I think there's just still that, um, you know, adoption or or just more work and regulation that needs to go into it. What blockchain uh, projects are you? excited about that you're seeing out there that are really interesting and that you know our audience may want to take a look at are there any kind of projects that are really interesting to you i'm really no i'm really excited to see how ripple has grown uh, people say it's not a blockchain it's you know it's a different centralized it's, yeah, yeah yeah but i remember seeing them back in 2017 before we did our you know they've come a long way and it's interesting to see how much adoption from the financial markets they've gotten so i watch them pretty closely and do you see any evidence that you know companies are scaling with blockchain where they're solving problems not necessarily to i want to make the most money and kill everything in my way like a google <laughs> or a facebook mm-hmm. but they really are looking at the problems in society inequality and they're using blockchain they apply it to the solution yeah exactly yeah. yeah i mean it's it's really a shift in society on, on how we're looking at you know business on a whole and then this new you know the concept of globalization and, and really you know making the world smaller through through network effects so i think you know blockchain has a lot of good even though it you know and, and that's with good technology you have a bad side you have a good side but you know a lot of the projects they've they've helped refugees you know who are unbanked you know have access to assets you know these people go into a bank they would never been have, never you know have given a, a bank account um, and then just again just the tracking of food we see in China um, who have a, who has a big you know trust issue around the food that they you know sell to the to the public. So we definitely see it. Yeah, and I remember the uh, one of the co-founders of Ethereum saying that they're working on a project that involves uh, sustainable fishing mm-hmm. in terms of tracking the ecosystem uh, yeah. there. Uh, do you have a view on where Bitcoin is going to go within the next couple of years? Do you feel like people are going to get wealthy by riding a Bitcoin bull market in the future? Or are you I try bearish? to stay neutral, but I think, you know, Bitcoin is just the beginning. I think we definitely needed Bitcoin to open up this new era, as we call, of digital commerce, you know, digital economy taken to Web3. Um, and again, and we needed that first use case. And I think Bitcoin is just that first use case, whether it's going to stay number one in 20 years, we don't know, but I think the use case that will be prevalent is going to affect, you know, as many people. You believe it could easily go to a hundred thousand in the future? Um, not necessarily. No, no. no. You think that sounds... 
crazy that yeah. Bitcoin could go to 100,000. See, the reason I think Bitcoin could go to 100,000 is, of course, you know, you go through financial crisis, uh, 2000 and 2008, the Federal Reserve, they're just printing money and they call it, of course, quanti quantitative easing, but it's just an experiment. They don't have any history with it, but they're desperate to hold up the economy. And so they're printing money and doing these experiments. And, you know, with the mortgage crisis, people said real estate always goes up. Look at the history. Right? Yeah. It could never crash. It always goes up. And, and of course, the experts, the scientists, they were wrong. Uh, but I believe at some point, fiat money, printing money out of nothing and paying off your own debts with your own money, just, mm -hmm. you know, monopoly board, unlimited money. If that system was to surprise the economists and the experts, if that system was to fail, like it's failed in Venezuela or Zimbabwe, or you see the inflation in Argentina or Turkey, if the idea of this money printing that's not backed by anything used to be backed by gold, if that if people start to question that, that would, I believe, would be a huge run for gold. But potentially, people can start looking, would start looking at other monetary systems uh, that are not controlled by a central government. And so I think the, the bull case for Bitcoin, I think, is uh, in part based on the people's confidence in the financial system in fiat money. Uh, and I think if, if that is questioned, Bitcoin could explode. But would uh, it get to 100,000? I mean, there should be a limit in. Um, uh, well, 100,000, what I would say is, is because of the uh, scarcity, uh, meaning that the alternative, there's, there's not a lot of alternative to fiat money, but because uh, there's, a, there's a limited number of Bitcoin, it's going to be the the best option of the the crypto. So I'm just mm -hmm. saying, there's not a lot of competition in terms of fiat money that governments are printing. They're buying stocks. They're doing all these weird things with money in these experiments. And then there's Bitcoin that has a limited supply. Uh, and so if people, if confidence, just a little bit of confidence, is yeah. transferred over from fiat money to Bitcoin, we saw a appetizer of that when it ran at 20,000. Uh, at least at least I believe. What are the next steps uh, for your business? Like what are you focused on over the next 2 years? Adoption. Right? So get in healthcare organizations using the platform um, you know, developing use cases on the platform, whether that's our startup company or other companies using the the network as well. And for our audience who are interested in uh, developing blockchain-based uh, businesses or platforms. What have you learned that you can share with them in terms of, hey, you know, you need to know about this when you get into this game. You're thinking about, you know, scaling your company. What do they need to know based on your experience and mistakes, of course, that you've seen? Yeah, I think it's really being bull on having an ecosystem mindset, you know. So definitely not only aligning yourself with your ideal customers, um, but thinking outside of that. So whether that's government entities, academic partners, institutions, because um, I think, you know, with blockchain, it's it's definitely a network effect. Um, and it's an, an eco, it's a collaboration technology um, if we're going to be successful. Who created Bitcoin? <laughs> What's your theory? 
Of course, it's Satoshi. Everyone knows that. Yeah, but, but when you peel that back, who created Bitcoin? But do you have a theory, though? If I have a theory? Yeah, because of course, that, of course that name is, fi- <laughs> that name is fake, Fictitious. right? So, yeah, uh-huh. so there's a white paper that put out, and he says, hey, we need an alternative system. Yeah. Look at the government bell out of the banks, this financial system. And then there's this great technology, but the people don't know who created who it. Uh, and do you, do you have a theory? I don't have a theory. I, I have multiple theories based on what's already out there in terms of conspiracies, you know. Uh, people, can you share some of those conspiracy theories? <laughs> people say it's the, it's the CIA, the UN, it's, you know, DARPA. Um, or they even say DARPA, it's explain that for the audience. Basically a, a, a science and technology intelligence agency. Um, they actually created Connected the first... Connected to which state or country? It's... DARPA. It's connected to a series of countries. I don't think okay. it's independent. They actually created the internet, you know, back in the, the 70s. They had the first internet network. But they say that uh, the U.S. military, that was created inside the U.S. military, mm-hmm. the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess I'm trying to reconcile. DARPA is connected to a lot of folks. At least the U.S. military gets a lot of credit for creating the internet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're a part of but Harvard. yeah, but but the theory, <laughs> yeah. other theories. Uh, so yeah, yeah they, CIA, they 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 said it was Google, Apple, Facebook, and um, Amazon that created it. Yeah, so the <laughs> Gafa, the Gafa companies. Yeah, from my perspective, I think there's a strong chance this was created by an intelligence agency. Was it the United States? Was it Russia? China? Potentially China. You know, when you look at the security features, this. Looks, it can't be broken, meaning that people have predicted all these type of security things and things are going to happen. This stuff, Bitcoin, cannot be broken, at least so far. Right? What I heard somewhere, it takes the size of like the sun or multiple suns, the energy needed to actually, you know, break the mechanisms that yeah. create the network. And to your point of where Bitcoin came from and whether it was created by an intelligence agency, the United States or someone else. They point to the military-grade cryptography, meaning that this is not something, hey, you're a tech company and you can create this stuff. This stuff is uh, has a, a rhythm and quality to it that's associated with top-level government intelligence. work. Intelligence work, yeah. Uh, would you say 50% or more that it was created by a government? Or does it have to? I, don't, I think there's a step above a government. And explain that. You're like, man, you're about to take us to the Illuminati. <laughs> you're like, about to get deep in it. <laughs> no, I'm just so, saying it may not have been sanctioned by a government, but it may have been, you know, organizations or people that work on behalf of governments. But what would that look like? Uh, so if it wasn't created by the government, it's, cre- it's created by a government. What entity? Like, like? Because the fact, I mean, if you look at it, we have so much. It can't just be one government. I mean, we have so much buying from different countries all over the world. So it could be alliances. Alliance, or... exactly. Uh, and why? Again, this is the this is the next. We're stepping into the next wave of industrialism. So, you know, in 2017, the World Economic Forum, the whole theme of that was the fourth industrial revolution of of data. And data is not just you know, subject to one particular country or government. Um, the way we do business, you know, people 
immigration back and forth. So it's definitely, you know, an agreement between different countries um, to be able to see the success of this technology move forward. Okay, I want to thank uh, Christopher for coming on the show. Where can people check you out online? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn.com, Chrissa McFarland. I'm also on Twitter, Chrissa um, McFarland. Um, and you can check out our companies, patientory.com. Our app is on the Apple Store. And we have an ecosystem association, the Patientory Association, um, which manages our token. And that's at ptoy.org. Uh, make sure you check out Chris uh, online. She's a trailblazer in the blockchain space. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Go. You can check me out at Jamarla Martin on Twitter. And also come check us out at moguldom.com. That's M O G U L. Dom.com. Be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter. You can get the latest information on crypto, tech, economic empowerment, and politics. Let's go.